In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My beloved fathers and mothers, and brothers and sisters and children, we have heard today in the Holy Gospel one of the more famous of all passages, one of the most famous of all the parables told by our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ, though interestingly it is one contained only in a single gospel and repeated nowhere else, the story of the so-called Good Samaritan. There is a phenomenon that happens in the Christian life, clergy know it well, but it happens for laity just as equally, that certain gospels are very hard to preach on or very hard to hear, not because they are especially difficult, but because they are especially familiar. I'm not saying that this isn't a difficult gospel, but it is certainly a very familiar one. We all know the story. We all know the parable. We all know what it means. But instead of focusing on the story that Christ tells to the young man who has come to him, I would like us to focus on the encounter that prompts him to tell it. We oftentimes extract the parables of the Lord from their historical moments, that is to say, from the provocations or the inspirations that inspire him to tell them. But very often they have as much to teach us about the Christian life and about what Christ is trying to say as the parable itself. This is obviously a parable about brotherly love. It is obviously a parable about what constitutes actually and genuinely being and caring for and loving a neighbor. But what prompts this beautiful parable is a man coming to Christ and asking him a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ sees through his question immediately. Without any hesitation, he knows that the man is not so much interested in what he must do. He is interested to have Christ affirm what he is doing. And so Christ, as it were, playing along with him for a moment, answers with a question. You tell me, what must you do? And the man gives a predictably pious answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your neighbor as yourself. The very commandments which Christ himself at other times calls the two greatest of all those that he had delivered through the law. Those which sum up the entirety of the law, even while they give life to the entirety of the law. And the man knows his stuff. He comes to Christ seeking some sort of affirmation of his life. What must I do to find salvation? What must I do to inherit the kingdom? And he gives his own answer. And Christ says, you have answered well. But it says in the gospel that the man was not finished, that he sought to justify himself. It now makes it bold, the intention of this person. He wants not simply to recite the greatest commandments of the law. He wants not simply to hear from, and we don't know what he considered Jesus to be, a teacher, a prophet, a wise man, a rebel. 
He wanted not only to hear from him that he knew what he was doing. He wanted to justify himself yet further in the presence of this one who seemed so wise to his followers. What does it mean then? Who is my neighbor? This is a very rabbinical sort of question. And we often slight the rabbis and the Pharisees as if their questions were always designed purely to be mechanical and distracting. But it's a good question. The Pharisees were characterized by a deep love of the revelation of God, by a deep love of the law that he had given as his voice and mouthpiece into the world. And though at times they saw it in too much extraction, and they saw it apart from the lawgiver himself, the desire to know what precisely God means when he gives us a commandment is a pious thing. But again, this man is not trying to be pious. This man is seeking to justify himself. Tell me then, sir, who is my neighbor? We don't know quite why he asked that question. Perhaps he had a follow-up comment to give. I love not only this person, but also that person. I have a very upsetting neighbor, but I still love them. But here Christ interrupts his little game, and he tells him his story. A man was walking along the road, and he fell amongst robbers and thieves. And perhaps the most notable thing in this parable is that this man is ignored by a priest. A priest someone who knows the law well, who offers sacrifices, who loves God, presumably. We are not taught to judge this priest, but we are taught to look and say it is possible to be so consumed with the trappings of righteousness that we walk right by a man dying at our feet. Finally, it is a Samaritan a person so reviled amongst the Jews that even to speak with one of them was considered personal defilement. It required rituals of cleansing before you could be allowed back into the rituals of the Jewish faith. The Samaritans and the Jews had a common ancestry, and as we often know, it is the people to whom we are the closest with whom we can develop the most stringent bitterness. Even to speak to a Samaritan was unheard of. And yet Christ tells a parable where a priest and good men pass by, but a Samaritan. And you can fill in Samaritan with whatever group you like the least. Passes by and shows mercy. And Christ asks, tell me, which one was the real neighbor? And those who hear him answer, I suppose... It is the one who showed mercy. I suppose it is the one who showed mercy. As if we must at times begrudgingly acknowledge the truth. Because the truth as Christ delivers it to us shatters our behavior and our conceptions so often. I really wish, Lord, that the neighbor was the righteous one the pious one. I really wish, Lord, that the neighbor was the faithful covenant keeper, but I suppose it was the one who showed him mercy. And Christ says, thus it is, go and do likewise. This 
parable is not about giving up righteousness. This parable is not about caring for the beggar instead of loving the law, caring for the poor person instead of honoring the gospel, the tradition, the covenants of Christ. This is a parable in which Christ tries to set this justifying, self-justifying man straight, that the only way to genuinely keep the law of God is to show mercy on someone in need. The only way genuinely to love God with your whole heart is to see the suffering of the world and to have compassion upon it. The only way to be righteous, to be clean, to be pure, is to be willing to step beyond the boundaries that human society sets up as to who is good and who is bad, who is worthy and who is unworthy, who is deserving and undeserving, and say, a child of God deserves mercy, full stop. One who is suffering deserves succor without any other qualification. Love is to be shown to the just and the unjust, to the merciful and the unmerciful, to the good and to the evil. And that is a hard lesson for us to learn as Christian people, that love is unconditional. When the world hears these words, it converts them immediately into its secular mind, that to love unconditionally means to accept unconditionally. But nowhere does Christ say, accept the evil person in his evil. But he says, love him. Love transforms evil into good. To love a sinner does not mean that you accept what they do that causes them and others grief. But you see more than the sin. You see behind the sin a person whom God has created who is suffering deeply. For someone who is spiritually healthy does not do evil. And so the moment you see someone doing evil, you have an absolute confirmation that they are suffering in their heart, though they may not know it to the slightest degree. The existence of evil is always a sign of extraordinary interior pain. And what is the response of a Christian to such pain and suffering but to show compassion? All around us, there are people dying by the road metaphorically and in many cases, literally. All around us, there are people who have fallen amongst thieves, as the gospel would put it. People who have fallen into desperation, sometimes because of their own choices, sometimes simply because of circumstance and the sins of others, the sins of our hearts. They are everywhere. And this is a passage in which Christ says, if you wish to be justified before me, this is how you do it. It is not by quoting the gospel back at me. I know it. It is not by telling me the commandments. I gave them to Moses. It is by showing me a life of obedience. And obedience to Christ manifests itself in love. If you are willing to ignore the suffering of the world, then you can call yourself anything you want, but don't dare call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. If you follow Christ, your heart must weep for those who weep. It must feel pain for those in pain, and it must feel love for everyone without any qualification. 
We live in a world that struggles with tremendous evil, a world that tells us to categorize everyone into the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the right and the left, the up and the down. And you pick your pocket and you care about them. And more and more we're taught to care about them means to condemn the other. Or if not to condemn it, to be afraid of it, to ridicule it. We are one people, one race, one family of the children of God. And when any one of us suffers, all of us suffer. And all of us have the opportunity to find redemption through the love we show towards others in whatever form we show it. Not all are called to go set up orphanages. Not all are called to fly abroad and work in missions, though that is noble work if God calls you to it. But not one of us is absent the commandment, the commandment, not the request of Christ, that we love those who hate us, those who revile us, that we care for those in need, and that our hearts be broken for those whom the world has broken, so that in our redemption we may lift them up with us. So listen to Christ's when he preaches to this young man and choose what kind of questions you want to ask him. Do you want to ask him on the last day, Lord, I'm a pious person because I was nice to the people who were nice to me and really who's my neighbor? We don't want to be scolded by Christ. We don't want to be chastised by him. We want to hear him say to us the words every Christian must hope for, that Christ having examined our life all of our weaknesses, all of our sin, which he forgives, but also all of our love, which though it is meager and broken and fragile, we struggle to give and we give with a full heart that he can look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your just reward. Remember the good Samaritan. Though he is a man in a parable, he is in fact you and me, and Christ calls us to live as he lived, to show mercy and peace to all. May he strengthen you in that noble and lofty task. May he draw us together into his heavenly kingdom. Amen. Forgive me, my brothers and sisters.